The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano, filling in for Leslie today. Uh, we were here on Tuesday, yes, in we case were. you don't remember. Yes, we were. And we're back. And we were looking forward to today. They actually let us come back. I know. Well, <laughs> there's no accounting for taste. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we're, we're very glad. But on Tuesday, we were talking about what happened last night. Yes. We were looking forward to being able to come in today and talk about this. Yes. And it, I think it exceeded our expectations. It exceeded the expectations I think I've ever had of any debate ever. Now, I know I am a political nerd. I know it. Mm-hmm. I am I'm, I'm happy to let that nerd flag fly. Sure. Uh, but that was like the uh, WWE version of debates. Now, it was a spectacle. It oh, was yeah. ridiculous. It was like Monday Night Football yes. production. It was With really insult. bad announcers, yeah. though. It was an insult to our democracy and our great country. That uh, leaving that aside, though, it the was insult still to democracy. freaking awesome. <laughs> well, right before, because we, we were watching it together, you were like, yes, <sighs> yes, you know, and then all of a sudden you just energy just, you know, because it, it was, I mean, Republican and Republican violence is, is a wonderful thing to watch. <laughs> and I don't mean physical <laughs> violence, but, you know, them going after each other is, is just Fun to watch. That explains so much about MSNBC's weekend lineup. Uh, yes, but uh, it is, I'm sure everybody has heard nonstop about this debate uh, all day. It's because, important. Right. It's important. It's our next president. Although it would be nice to hear the Democratic response in the media as well. Right. It would be great to have the, uh, the uh, our party talking back, but we don't have debates for a while. No, but we did have one candidate talking back point for point all evening during the debate, and that candidate was independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Uh, live tweeting also got the biggest number of retweets, <laughs> even over... And above the campaigns of all 17, count them, 17 Republicans who debated last night. Now, of course, the candidates themselves couldn't couldn't live tweet during the debate. But I would imagine that their staff members were doing this. I imagine they've got an intern or two, you know, hanging out lobbyist. Yeah. Slash intern, (laughs) whatever you want to call them these days. A a child of a lobbyist. Right. Working Uh, for the campaign. Right. But we are going to speak with a real political Journalists, somebody who can provide insight and analysis and really sure. wonderful information on this. At least this. we're going to have that before we start mocking them. Exactly. <laughs> In just a few minutes, we're going to be speaking with David Schuster, my former boss. Gling. Yeah. One of my favorite people. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Uh All day, you've probably heard people talking about this debate. Mm-hmm. All of the pundits, including people just like us here on the radio and I know that some of you out there may be itching to respond. And that's on, I'll say, all sides of the aisle, because as we saw last night in the debate, it is not just left versus right. There are plenty of disagreements and and varied opinions on the right. You know, partial birth abortion bans versus complete abortion bans versus 20-week abortion bans. They have room for everybody in their party. Yes. But we would like to... (laughs) They have room between the extreme and the really extreme. Yes. It's the whole quarter rainbow. Exactly. 
Exactly. If, they, if that's what you want, a quarter rainbow. Oh, I, I don't know about the word rainbow. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I, or I actually meant a spectrum. How about quarter spectrum? There we go. That's yes. well stated. But, you know, uh, if for the Republicans listening or the Libertarians sure. or the Independents, I would love to hear your response. What the media says is that Donald Trump got a 50-50 reaction. Hmm. 50% of people listening thought he did better. Okay. 50% of people listening thought you know, this is going to hurt him uh, in the election. I am not one to believe the mainstream media on every event. So uh, yeah. it would be better to hear from actual GOP voters. Right. What and, did you and, think? Instead of yelling at me on Twitter after the show here. <laughs> Give us a call. I'm not going to I'm not going to be mean. I can't even I can't even take you off the air. I mean, the, the board operator is not even in this room. And they're not even in this. So you can go on district. and on and we can debate. And as long as, you know, we keep it civil and, you know, and and, you know, family friendly. I'd love we would love to speak with you. Right. And actually hear what you have to say. And of course, we want to hear what Democrats and, and progressives think as well. Of course, I want to hear the liberal response. We're not getting it from the uh, party. We're not getting it from the DNC. So let's give it back to them. Let's how would you like to see any potential candidate, however you fall in line, respond to these issues, answer on these issues, and how what what stand should they be taking to get your vote? And yes, it's early. I sure. realize that. Hey, Canada, fun fact. Uh-huh. Canada just had their first debate. Guess when their election is? Tomorrow. October of <laughs> 2015. Right. Well, aren't they parliamentary up there? Yes. Yeah. So many, if not most of the major democracies in this world are now parliamentary. Right. But I mean, their their entire election cycle is 60 days, and this is the longest in their history. And they don't vote for their, their prime minister. Right. They just vote for the, the, the people who go to their parliament, and the parliament then whoever has the largest amount right. votes the prime minister. Um, I kind of like that system, to be honest with you. It would be... It would be really hard for even the Koch brothers to spend a billion dollars in 60 days without just making a spectacle of themselves. And if you were to have, in our case, a president that was wildly unpopular, let's say his name was, I don't know, George W. Bush, then the parliament could could actually vote to have an election, not, you know, it's called a no confidence vote. Mm hmm. And which would bring up the that that short cycle and, you know, and there would be another election. So you mean you could get a president out of office Besides, b- besides them having to be guilty of a crime. Right. Hmm. Now, there are those who argue that it would be a far more volatile system uh, that, especially in our country where there's so much money in politics. I mean, I know we're going off on a tangent here that you you would be based on the whims of the one percent even more. So, right. you know, there's arguments either way. But. Speaking of money in politics. OK. I think everybody probably has a favorite line or or thinks that there was the takeaway line of the debate. Mine. Shane was clip 23. All right. You said recently, quote, when you give, they do whatever the hell you want them to do. You better believe it. So what specifically did they do? If I ask them, if I need them, you know, most of the people on this stage I've given to, just so you understand, a lot of money. I will tell you that our system is broken. I give to many people before this, before two months ago, I was a businessman. I give to everybody. When they call, I give. And you know what? When I need something from them two years later, three years later, I call them. They are there for me. And that's a broken system. That, for me, was the line of the night. That summed up the entirety of the Republican Party, who they represent, and what it is that they are working for, what it is that those 10 candidates on that stage, we're talking about the primetime debate, of course, now not the, the kitty table debate, as Twitter 
termed in the uh, hashtag competition, that, that this was Donald Trump, a billionaire, admitting on national television, in the national spotlight, that he buys politicians, right. buys and sells them and gets whatever he wants up up to the point where he can tell him to show up at his wedding. Yeah, but and the Democratic candidates talk about this a lot. Hillary Clinton's talked about it. Of course, Bernie Sanders talks about it. O'Malley has talked about it. Um, but to hear it, it, this is essentially was an admission. It, to, to hear it during a Republican debate is what was so amazing about it for me. And I, I think if Donald Trump were to, the, the anger that he's tapping into is, hey, you don't like this system. You know, these other Republicans up here do it. I used to do it, but because I was part of it, I know how it works and I can fix it because I think it sucks, too. Yeah, it sucks so badly that he takes advantage of it on a regular basis. He admitted that he has currently given to several of the candidates on stage and they didn't hesitate on national television to, to hit more. him up for some more money. Well, after you said that comment, that's when Scott Walker kind of looks up into space. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. What time is it? You know. <laughs> yeah. Talk about class. Yeah. Yeah. Right out there in the open. There was lots of lines. I'm sure everybody's going to have a different line of the night. Right out of the gate, uh, we, we saw, you know, Megyn Kelly go after Trump and Trump return fire. I thought right out of the gate, the most, in, the most interesting part of this and I, I'm sure that other people have said this. We haven't had a chance to listen to other analysis right. so far yet this, today, other than you know Tom's show. Uh, was that was the questions were so interesting? It was so telling what Fox News was up to. I really believe my first impression was you know as we were talking back and forth during the debate was they're out to get him. Yeah, they're out to get him. Just like the mainstream media is out to get any outsider that's on the Democratic side. Uh, this was the Republican insiders going after. The outsider, Donald Trump. It, that's exactly what it was. And maybe it's because we have seen that on the left. Right. You know, we have we have Correct, witnessed it say. and uh, been frustrated by it, that it was so easy for us to recognize. But again, that's the kind of thing I would love to hear from conservatives on. You know, whether you're a Trump supporter or you think he's the worst thing that ever happened to the party. Is that what you're seeing as well? Is it, Do you think that the quote-unquote establishment is going after your guy? And if so, how is the party going to react? What is Trump going to do and what would you do if he runs as an independent? All very important questions we're going to get to throughout the afternoon. It's Friday. It's the Leslie Marshall Show. And we're going to have lots of fun here. Give us a call. one eight 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 six 6 We'll be back right after this break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. show on Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today getting your thoughts on last night's Republican debate and joining us now is the one the only he is the most interesting man in the world David Schuster political journalist and anchor for Al Jazeera America uh, he's also been an anchor for MSNBC worked at Fox News CNN current TV and he happens to be like 
my former boss. David, I've missed you so. How are you? you know it's what? so I great to talk to you. The truth is, Danielle, that I was working for you and Shano because you know, everybody at We Act Radio in D.C. knows that you guys were the brains behind that operation, and uh, we just uh, we're the ones who sort of <clears throat> spoken in the microphone a little bit. But it is it is so great to uh, to hear your voice and to be on with you guys. How you doing? We are doing so well. Awesome. How are, you, how are you? How is how is the family? Well, the family's great. You'll be pleased to know that. Uh, I think I, I'm told a couple people, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But t- today was the first day of ballet class for the. The little girl who was uh, two years and uh, two months, and uh, naturally there came a point where she was having a grand time flapping her wings like a butterfly and doing pirouettes, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, do that. So there I was, flapping my wings with all the other uh, two-year-olds. And, uh, my wife <laughs> on the floor oh. doubled over in laughter and I was kind of horrified. <laughs> oh, David, I bet you'd make a lovely butterfly. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, life, life is good. We're, we're having a good time in New York. Miss all of you guys. Are you guys calling from, uh, are you guys doing this from D.C.? Or yes, where, sir. Where are you? We are. We are uh, sitting in Tom Hartman's official studio. Oh, Capitol Hill. I know it well. Well, yes. I miss you guys very much and miss the whole uh, D.C. crew. And um, uh, I'm honored to be, you know, I think I've only been, I've, I've been back to D.C. once in the past year. And that was we went down to do a day story on Bernie Sanders the night that he had those, you know, 100,000 people who tuned in to his uh, organizing event. And we just went and came back. And, but, um, an excellent I, I was, reason for a trip, David. An excellent yeah, trip, reason for a trip. I must say, I was I was flabbergasted to see the taxi cabs in D.C. that are now all painted with that interesting sort of red design, and they're all being sort of painted uniform, and um, it was remarkable. It, it, lots of changes around here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some things always stay the same, like the Republican Party. Mm. Did you happen to catch last night's debates? Oh, yeah. I caught both of them. I caught the, uh, what we're calling the undercard, the one at 5 o'clock, when there was, uh, let's see, Rick Santorum, the former winner of the Iowa caucuses, who said that the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage is, can be compared to the Dred Scott Supreme Court decision that suggested blacks were not full citizens and did not deserve equal rights as white people. And for Rick, for Rick Santorum, so yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good comparison. What a, I mean, this is a guy who won four years ago in Iowa. I mean, you know, this is common. So anyway, that was, that was my entertainment for the undercard. And then the, uh, the main event, wow, I, um, I figured it was going to be something of a debate between uh, Donald Trump and, and Fox News, but, uh, but I didn't know the half of it. No, I don't think I've ever seen a debate quite like last evening. Uh, it's interesting you bring up Santorum and the Supreme Court case. See, this is these are the points that you know smart, brilliant journalists like uh, David Schuster bring up. Um, it, you know, I can't help but wonder if Santorum is totally okay with ignoring the will of the Supreme Court. Can we like overturn Hobby Lobby, Citizens United? You know, uh, but just you know, we could keep going down the list. Is that you think that would be cool with him? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we can throw out the entire Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, you know, whatever we want. Because if we, if we determine, Shane and Danielle, if you and I determine that something is God's law, then that's what we follow and, and to heck with everything else that, uh, that may be, you know, governing our, our nation today. And this interesting theory of essentially negating what the Supreme Court uh, does, conservatives only seem to bring this up when it comes to religious type of things. Because they did this back when it came to school prayer. Uh, I, I think this is an old Phyllis Schlafly theory, isn't it? Well, you're on to something. I mean, it does seem like um, it's all fine unless it's uh, their ox that's being gored. And yeah. it is, but it is, you know, the hypocrisy is, is really sort of remarkable and, and stunning. And, and again, and it's a good way to sort of get into this whole debate about 
well, the whole discussion about the debate last night, and here we are into this new phase of the 2016 presidential campaign, because it's really, I mean, the part of our life where I think so many Americans don't realize that is really at stake in these presidential elections. It's not so much Congress. It really isn't so much, sure, it's who's going to be in your living room each night from the White House, but the Supreme Court has so much power to sort of determine what our lives are really like. And look, we saw that just in terms of the legalization of, of, of gay marriage. I mean, these these decisions are huge, and they have a huge impact on a lot of people. And the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the, the oldest liberal in the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's now, what, 82, 83 years old. A lot of people are asking her to sort of step down now while President Obama is still in office, and he can name a like-minded Supreme Court justice to take her place, because if, if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg leaves the court after, after suppose a Republican wins the next election, Ruth Bader Ginsburg leaves the court, she will be replaced by somebody who will then give conservatives, now it won't be just a 4-4 court with Anthony Kennedy in the middle, it'll be a 5-4 conservative court, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a 5 on 3 conservatives to liberals with perhaps then uh, Anthony Kennedy in the middle, and that's when a lot of these cases start to turn the other way. So it's, I mean, this stuff matters. Right. And people who don't think it matters, you, know, you have to think of the big, huge pieces of legislation like religious freedom, like the Voting Rights Act, like uh, Roe v. Wade. And all of these are at risk when you start playing with members of the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, this is part of my personal frustration when we get into the circular firing squad over on the left, uh, because, you know, hey, it is too important for us to uh, spend too much time bickering amongst ourselves when we have things like the Supreme Court at risk. I think that's right. And there's, you know, look, this is, I suppose we're in the season now where this is the time when, you know, Republicans are having their <clears throat> their civil war, their fight with each other and over Donald Trump and, and Democrats. This is the time to have the vigorous debate between Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders and, and Hillary Clinton and maybe Joe Biden. And, and now's the time to do it. Uh, there will come a point sooner than a lot of people think, perhaps in, you know, February or March, where it's going to be clear who the nominees of each party are going to be. And if you, you know, if you're a Democrat and you want the Democrats that keep control of the White House and want to make sure that the Supreme Court continues to make decisions that you know don't go with the, 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 the Robert sort of tilt or the Scalia tilt of the Supreme Court, then, you know, at that point you have to sort of suck it up. And regardless if you don't necessarily, if the person who's the nominee is not your first choice, that's, you know, that's too bad because there are a lot of issues that are bigger than the personality who occupies the Oval Office. Right. And speaking of big personalities, when we come back from this break, we have to get your thoughts on, of course, the, uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and I'm not even making a Bill Maher Donald Trump joke there. <laughs> so we are speaking with David Schuster, political journalist and anchor for Al Jazeera America. Uh, this is the Leslie Marshall Show. Uh, we will be back right after this break with more David Schuster and more of your calls. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano, and we are still joined by the one and only David Schuster, political journalist and anchor for Al Jazeera America, and one of my favorite people to talk to. David, thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, it is my pleasure. An honor to be with you guys. So, in you know, reference to last night's debate, who do you think, or debates rather, who do you think came off as a winner? Was there a clear winner to both of them, or different people, different different debates? 
I have sort of a contrarian view, I think, from a lot Ooh. of my uh, political colleagues, because there are a lot of folks who said, oh, Donald Trump was a loser, he was bombastic, he didn't seem very nice, he, he, he sort of he was sort of tiring to hear him he was, he was promote himself so much. I have a sense that, uh, that Donald Trump is actually now going to widen his lead over the Republican field, that he, in fact, hmm. was the winner in part because Fox News was so hard on him. And granted, these were all legitimate questions that the debate moderators asked, but they had sort of an edge to them that I think gave a lot of the Donald Trump sympathy there's a reason to feel that Fox News was unfairly trying to essentially assassinate him. And there are a lot of people out there who think that the political system is broken, not for any sort of major institutional reasons, but simply because our politicians are incompetent, or they're idiots, or they're losers, as Donald Trump says. And so a lot of people look out and say, hey, America stinks right now, and it's not our fault. It's the fault of those idiots in Washington who can't get anything done. And these are people who, Donald Trump is music to their ears when he talks about politicians being losers, when he says America stinks right now, and we're getting killed by the Chinese and the Mexicans. And so there's Fox News that comes along as sort of the representative, I think, of the Republican establishment going after Donald Trump. And a lot of people, I think, were, were put off by it and say, hey, Donald Trump is on to something that Fox News is very much afraid of. And right from the start, and again, I, a lot of my colleagues said, oh, the moment Donald Trump raised his hand at the beginning of the debate to say, yeah, I alone cannot guarantee that I'm not going to run uh, against the Republican nominee, a lot of people said, well, that's the kiss of death. He, he doesn't have a chance at the Republican Party. But a lot of people watching this debate are not necessarily registered Republicans are so, are so interested in, in the Republican primaries. They're looking to find out, well, who's willing to stand up and speak the truth? Who can we believe? And for Donald Trump to be able to stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. This is what I'm thinking about. I'm leaving my options open. I think it, it gave him more credibility. And then as a result, when people think, okay, he's speaking the truth, then they gave him more, they gave him more leeway when he says some of the more bombastic things. And so, again, I just, I, I think a lot of people are underestimating the, the sort of the sour mood that is out there uh, on, in both the Democratic Party and the Republicans and, and how much I think Donald Trump's going to benefit. Uh, I I think that's a brilliant analysis, and I absolutely agree with you, especially on people connecting with the outside of the Washington bubble viewpoint. You know, so often D.C. and uh, the the news media that covers it, the politicians that work here, uh, is is inside the Beltway. There's a reason for that terminology, is because they're speaking at a level that most people don't have the uh, time and ability to to keep up with and and care about these you know crazy inner workings and uh, I think Chris Christie was was referencing um, you know appropriations committees or something like that to, to to Rand Paul these are things most people don't have time to care about but they do have time and they they do connect with this feeling of frustration this feeling of things uh, not working but DC is missing it that's why they're not uh, that's why they're not understanding why Donald Trump's getting a following and I think that's why they don't that they keep being surprised over and over and over and over again by the turnout that Bernie Sanders is getting well, and that's exactly the great combination, the great connection to make, and that is, you know, Bernie Sanders, I've got a lot of, you know, some conservative friends who are like, I love Bernie Sanders. Yeah, same here. They, I mean, Bernie Sanders is unvarnished. He is speaking honestly to people. You know exactly where Bernie Sanders stands, um, and he's not the sort of uh, whitewashed, smooth, you know, gel-in-the-hair kind of politician that a lot of us are used to. 
And so he, he has an authenticity that comes shining through. And then he's also saying, look, you know, that the political system is broken because, you know, campaign finance, because the billionaires are buying elections and buying our political system. That rings true to a lot of people, because just as there are people on the right who think Washington stinks and therefore America stinks and can't get anything done, there are a lot of people on the left who also think Washington is broken, our political system is broken, and we need to do something dramatic to fix it. And that's where, you know, Bernie Sanders comes in. So, again, I mean, it's – and I – I'm talking with some Bernie Sanders supporters. They they bristle to the idea that there's anything similar about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. But I think even they acknowledge there is something going on in the country right now, in both the left and the right, in which a lot of people out there feel Washington is broken. Our political system can't get any worse. Our political system are filled with people who have been bought and paid for by lobbyists and corporate interests. And we need to have somebody who's outside of all of that, who's outside of the, the media, the mainstream media, which is you know which feeds right into it. We need somebody who is not politically correct, but is willing to stand up and say, look, this is what I believe. And, and it may sound a little bit coarse to say that you know billionaires are buying our political system. But you know what? There's, there's a truth to it. And, yeah. And Trump admitted it last it. night on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, look, there's Donald Trump is like, look, I'm not I'm not beholden to the lobbyists because I'm self-funding my campaign. Well, that's, you know, that's brilliant. I, I would think that, you know, and, and when Donald Trump, I mean, it's still hard for me to imagine. And I think it's hard going to be hard for a lot of people to imagine, OK, Donald Trump sitting in the Oval Office. There's a crisis in the Middle East or wherever it is, Asia, whatever. What is in the does, what is, does Donald Trump know what he's going to do? But there is something to be said about a guy who says, look, we need to go completely outside the normal political system to find somebody who can fix this. And that's why I thought you know, one of the best lines that Donald Trump had last night is, and it appeals right to conservatives, he says, we are $19 trillion in debt. You're going to need somebody like me to fix this mess. Yeah. Uh, and it gets right to, you know, he's a businessman, he's successful, and, and when he says we don't have time for political correctness or, or the sort of happy talk that politicians are used to engaging in, that also rings true with a lot of folks. Right. Uh, conservatives just often don't uh, point out the fact that he made that statement directly after admitting that he has bankrupt, bankrupted multiple businesses. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, yes, he has, he has uh, uh, ran a successful uh, business in general. He is a billionaire, but he's done so essentially by laying his debts off on the taxpayer time and time and time and time again. You can't just go and throw the United States into Chapter 7, Chapter 11, whichever, you know, bankruptcy, and then clear out the debts and make it all better. It doesn't work that way. Right. And those are, unfortunately, those are details. <laughs> Uh, to a lot of Americans who you know don't know how bankruptcy works, or yeah, don't know, I guess I'm I'm, know, I'm, I'm falling into my own trap of getting into the the details of the belt inside the Beltway. Yeah, but but it's you know look, and that's the thing. That's the thing that is so amazing about Donald Trump is you you can go through with you know Donald Trump with Marco Rubio with Jeb Bush. You can go through all of them and point out well here's the hypocrisy that we saw last night. Here's the hypocrisy we saw from uh, Marco Rubio or the blatant lie when he said oh no I you know I he was trying to pander to conservatives. I've never supported uh, an exception in, for abortion for the Cape of Rape. Well actually he had so the flat out lie there. But but you can go through each of these candidates and find the double talk. What's so interesting about Donald Trump. Trump is Donald Trump is saying these things that also ring to a lot of us as well. That's nonsense and that's double chalk. But there's a certain authenticity now that a lot of people have attached to Donald Trump because of some of the other things that he said. That it seems like he's impenetrable when it comes to some of the the darts and some of the the arrows that are normally slung at, at other candidates. And maybe it's because of his you know stage presence. Maybe it's because he is just sort of letting it rip and doesn't care whether he's PC or not. And or maybe it's because he's you know so bombastic and people are 
we're ready to, to shake up the political system and don't care if it's somebody who comes across like a jerk to do it. But yeah. uh, but he's it's just it's just remarkable to watch. Yeah. Just a quick reminder. We're speaking with David Schuster, political journalist and anchor for Al Jazeera America, among uh, a, a very long and uh, uh, excellent resume. Um, I was going to say, I have a difficult time holding a job. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, well, you've been with Al Jazeera for quite some time now. Yeah, two years, two years with Al Jazeera and, uh, and WEAC Radio before that. And current, actually, I was with Current uh, for a couple of years, and then Current got, by, got bought by Al Jazeera. So I, I sort of say, you know, not my fault that I worked for Current and then worked for Al Jazeera. To me, it's the same, same trajectory, but yeah. so it goes. Yeah, well, you know, you, you were talking about uh, Donald Trump resonating with people. Do you think to any de- degree that he is the uh, physical representation of people's frustration with Washington? You know, we, we constantly get mad at our politicians, and yet all of a sudden we see this guy on stage talking back to them, saying inappropriate things, uh, using language that perhaps some of us have used in private when describing our lawmakers. Mm. That's a, that's a great question, and I do think – I guess the, the way I'd answer that is when, uh, when Donald Trump has gone to South Carolina or when he's gone to Iowa or New Hampshire, and we've seen it you know, with other politicians who will you know, dress down and you know, they, they get rid of the tie, they get rid of the jacket, they, sometimes they wear plaid or you know, as, as, they just try to look the part like they belong on a farm. Donald Trump is there looking like he's ready to board a yacht. He's got his, you know, he's got his blue jacket, his blue blazer, he's got his khaki pants, his white shirt. Maybe he wears a, uh, a cap that says "Make America Great Again." But he, he's not playing to anybody but himself. He's like, look, I am this wealthy, rich guy, and I'm going to be the same guy regardless of whether I'm in Iowa or, or New York City. And. There's something about that that I think, again, the opposite of pandering, that that is really striking a chord with a lot of people. And I think that's why, in some sense, maybe he does embody, to a certain extent, what the Republican Party deserves right now. And that after, and perhaps even to a certain extent, the Democratic Party and our whole political system, that after so much of politicians trying to appeal to people and essentially pull the wool over our eyes, with how they look, with how they say things, with you know phrasing things uh, like the the freedom bill or whatever they're going to call legislation, and they put these nice names to it when it actually does the opposite of what the name would suggest. People feel like enough already. Just yeah. give us exactly, just give us authenticity, and let us decide whether we like it or not. And even though look, there are a lot of, I'm sure you guys both know a lot of people who think that Donald Trump is a jerk and a buffoon, but find him so refreshing because his unvarnished authenticity is so strikingly different from the rest of the field. Yeah. See, I'll admit I, I can't stand him. I, you know, I actually personally felt a camaraderie, if you will, with Megyn Kelly last night. I think for the first time in my uh, political <laughs> life that I was like, hey, you can't talk to her that way. You know, I, 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 I found myself disliking him uh, very much. But I also understand how that might be received as a positive with a lot of voters. You know, uh, it. I actually have a strange perspective I'd love to get your, your opinion on. I think sure. the winner of or winners of last night's uh, primetime debate were Marco Rubio and Scott Walker because they both kind of faded into the background. And I think that, that those were the people who maybe Fox preferred, didn't want to throw really hardball questions at, so that they will live to, to debate another day, if you will. Any thoughts on that? That's a- 
Yeah, there's a, I think that's a great. Uh, I think that's a good analysis. I, I do think that um, Marco Rubio. Yeah, he sort of disappeared at times when he when he was asked questions. He was terrific when I mean compelling and strong when he was talking about uh, uh, how he grew up without a dime and talking about immigration, what's at stake. And so to his sort of supporters and people who have given him money and, and helped his campaign and wonder, okay, how come this guy's not doing so well in the polls? To see a strong performance from him when he had an opportunity to talk, I think that that matters. Uh, and so Marco Rubio. It's almost like the, the status quo, what a couple of politicians needed to do is to be able to show that they can come across as strong as presidential and avoid the, the mudslinging or avoid getting sucked up by the tornado that, that Donald Trump uh, was, was unleashing. And <laughs> so, such an apt description Walker, for him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think uh, Marco Rubio did that. I think Scott Walker, if there's one rap on him, it may have been that uh, he spoke in a lot of – well, look, I think he spoke in a lot of cliches on foreign policy. We talk about you know, foreign policy all the time on, on Al Jazeera. But I do think that you know some of the questions at him were so, you know, which Arab country that is not part of the coalition that is with the United States that is striking ISIL? Do you think you can have a better relationship with the United States? And I'm thinking, I don't think even our people here know the answer to that question. So it seemed so obvious that this is Fox's effort to try to show the country, hey, this guy doesn't know anything about foreign policy. And he, you know, Walker handled it. handled it pretty well. Um, another guy, Mike Huckabee, who is, you know, personally perhaps one of the most likable politicians you will ever meet, and yeah. it makes you. You know, forget and 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 ignore the fact sometimes that you know some of the stuff he says is is insane. <laughs> so it's and but you know Huckabee got through it was okay. And, and then I'd say you know the other winner uh, might be guy didn't fade in so much because he got the boost from the hometown and and the home state is John Kasich. I mean this is a guy who was lucky to even be on the stage given that he was right there on the bubble between ten and eleven. He gets on the stage. He does pretty well with uh, with gay rights and, and gay marriage and comes and shows his humility and his humanity. And, you know, suddenly a lot of people talking about John Kasich. So, yeah, there'll be, you know, Donald Trump probably emerges from this debate still as the front runner. But I think there were some people who won simply because they didn't get their head taken off by Donald Trump or Chris Christie. One person who did get his head taken taken off was, I think, uh, Rand Paul. I don't think Rand Paul recovers from both his fight with uh, Chris Christie last night and then Donald Trump telling him, uh, it looks like you're having a bad night, which had the ring <laughs> of being true. Yeah. Uh, but I will give Rand Paul credit. I think he was the only one who recognized that if he he called out his fellow candidates, he gave them an additional 30 seconds because he kept referring to anybody uh, almost like he would on the Senate floor, the gentleman from so-and-so, or or in very loose terms because the debate was set up in that they got a minute to make their, their response. But if they called out another candidate, that candidate got 30 seconds. You deal with two hours and 10 people, you know, you're shortening the most possible time someone can speak. You don't want to give them 30 extra seconds. I'm with you, and I think the uh, the format of the debate and the way it's set up um, that's something that I wish we could we could change. I mean, I we had a um, we've had some conversations with both DNC officials and RNC officials here at Al Jazeera just to sort of get to know us and we get to know them. And and one of them I was pulling aside, I said, look, instead of wouldn't it be better for the country, better for the parties. Instead of having, you know, 10 people on a stage or trying to figure out what to do with 17, why not do like an entire debate night where from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock you have four guys sitting around a table with a moderator and they talk for an hour or they talk for an hour and a half and then you swap out the moderator and the table and then you have another four people. And that way there's a more sort of free-flowing conversation and you get into sort of a real policy debate like what we were seeing with Chris Christie and Rand Paul last night on, on surveillance or between you know, Chris Christie and, and Mike Huckabee on, on Social Security. I mean, I think that's part of what a lot of us, you know, um, policy junkies are looking for is, yeah, sure, the bluster's great and the carnival-like atmosphere and the attacks are great, but 
we're really looking for a debate. I mean, yeah. I really want to, you know, it was so fascinating to hear Mike Huckabee and Chris Christie sort of go back and forth on Social Security last night and how do you, how do you try to deal with the system. And I think that's the kind of thing that if the format were different and if it was a little bit more free-flowing, I think we would learn a lot more, and I think all of us would be, would be better served in both parties. Yeah, I think you nailed it there, and I, I think that that should be the lesson of the evening. I don't think it's just us policy wonks and us D.C. in the bubble folks who want that discussion. I think most Americans do, too. When I get a comment from someone on Twitter, it isn't, you know, some broad personality conflict. It's what is somebody going to do about a specific issue? And I think uh, the voters are disserved by not having that come up. I think uh, your suggestion is brilliant, and the parties should listen to you. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's <laughs> always an honor to speak with you. To the, to the minds of the head of the RNC and DNC. Thanks, Danielle. Yes. Uh, listen to David Schuster. You can never go wrong. This is, <laughs> this is the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano filling in. We'll be back with Talk Radio News and then your calls for the next hour. Stick around. to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano sitting in for Leslie today, and we are joined now by Bob Nay of the Talk Radio News Service, who is also the author of Sideswiped. Great book. You can go pick it up right now. Uh, Lessons Learned, courtesy of the Hitmen on Capitol Hill. Bob, thanks so much for uh, uh, filling us in on the news today. Thank you. How are you? I am doing very well since I just spoke to you a few hours ago. Yes, I know. Um, So uh, what's going on? Uh, Obviously, the GOP debate. What headlines are we all missing? Well, let's go to the the kitty table debate first. uh, (laughs) Yes. Carter, I I think that uh, Carter Fiorini, she did quite well. Uh, Lindsey Graham, John McCain called and said, now, Lindsey, you got him on the run. You're a maverick. But uh, (laughs) I think Lindsey better go back and follow John around the Capitol a bit more. To the big kids debate, uh, Trump still came out uh, one way or the other because he really doesn't care uh, a lot what he says, but he came out still uh, the winner of the debate. Uh, but Rubio did himself some favors and Kasich, I think. Jeb Bush, uh, I mean, where's Jeb? Yeah. That, I wanted to go up. You know, I would like to have just went up and helped him off the stage. Yeah, he favor. looked really nervous, and maybe it's the fact that he's been out of the uh, spotlight for a few years, but he was very stumbly, and it seemed very uncomfortable compared to the other candidates on the stage. Yeah, he looked like a guy that somebody said, no, get out there. No, I don't care if you want to do this or not. Yeah. Just get out there and get through it. That's yeah. what he looked like. Seriously, I, I, I sat there in amazement. Uh, but the moderators, I mean, what a, in, at least in my opinion, some people disagree with me, what a, mecha- the mechanics of it, what a joke. Those three, this was, you know, entertainment level, this wasn't, this wasn't news, these weren't journalists. I mean, yes. this was not a debate format that got at the, you know, all the issues, the big issues, the climate change, you know, uh, specifics on education and they asked a couple questions of somebody, then they let Rand Paul interrupt, and I mean, it just. And then they did, in an unfair way, go after Trump. Period on on you know some uh, personal things like uh, you know some of the scandalous things, but they didn't go after Chris Christie on the bridge. They didn't go after Rubio on the boat. You know, yeah, the boat. And all that they didn't go stuff. after Rand Paul, who currently has me- multiple staff members being indicted. Yes. So I thought that was, in a way, my my conspiracy brain almost said, 
are these three kind of doing the bidding of some wealthy, you know, neocon conservative cats that kind of want Trump away? Yeah, really, you mean like maybe Roger Ailes or Rupert yeah, Murdoch? Yeah, or the Koch brothers or somebody, you know. I don't know. It, uh, but that was the first of the of the debates, and um, you know, Trump just really kind of doesn't care uh, what you say, so it didn't have him backtracking. Yeah, uh, it it certainly was the most interesting debate I have ever witnessed. Same Bob, with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's saying something coming from you, Bob. It's been around <laughs> yes. a while. Well. You know, you know things. So anyhow, uh, Bob Nay of the Talk Radio News Service, thanks so much for that analysis. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be back with your calls after this break. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano in for Leslie today. Talking about the uh, Republican debate last night and Debates. yeah debate uh, and what some people are calling the kitty table debate. Uh, the hashtag uh, I was using last night was GOP Junior debate, just to you know distinguish the difference. Undercard JV. Yeah. How whatever terminology you like to use. And I really w- sincerely want to get people's opinion, including from those uh, listeners on the right. Um, and I, I'm not uh, trying to pick a fight or or, no. or argue about why you like. I genuinely want to understand because there's obviously a lot of diverse points, diverse perspective in the Republican Party right now. And which part of that, which one or ones of the 17 candidates on stage last night do you think represents you? So in addition to the clips we're going to play and everything else we're going to talk about, please give us a call. 888-6-LESLIE. Yeah, and, and and we watched the the introductory debate, if you if you will. That's or, or the, a good term. The the, uh, the seventy didn't make it into the top ten. There were a couple of them on that stage that I think would have been a, a great addition to the main debate. There were some up there that I thought just not ready. Yeah, a uh, little stumbly. Uh, Rick Perry still stumbly after all these years. Did you notice that? <laughs> the glasses didn't help. You mean? No, 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 not at all. In fact, I, I think I actually have him kind of stumbling here, and miraculously in the same clip. Making a strange endorsement for Secretary of State, Danielle. Yes. I, I think uh, those who were, were listening to this kind of ears perked up went, huh, did he just say that? So we're going to play clips here uh, while the board is filling up and while you, if you want to share your ideas. Right. Clips you, I, I realize what the, the, the clips the mainstream media are, are playing. I think it's important to play those. Right. But, but there you was a lot more. Let's, let's play some of the other ones. Right. There was a lot more going on last night than the one or two clips that, that the media has been running with this. And, and mostly this they, they like the cage match type things. Right. Which, yes, highly entertaining. But these other candidates have just as much a possibility of becoming the, the nominee, and how they and where they stand is 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 just as important, especially when they make endorsements like this. One hundred and fifty billion dollars is fixing to go to a country that killed our Marines in Lebanon, that uh, used their weapons to kill our young men in Iran, and the idea that this negotiation, I will tell you one thing. I would a whole lot rather had Carly Fiorina over there doing our negotiation than John Kerry. Maybe we would have gotten a deal where we didn't give everything away. Now, despite everybody t- talking about oh, the uh, arguments. That was absolutely 
dreadful. <laughs> That's right. America's got Republicans. Somebody had an opinion on that. Simon Cowell. Yeah. It, first of all, the stuttery, it was almost oops again right there. Just trying, just coming up with a, a lot of politicians like to talk in threes. It's, a, it's an easy pattern. Uh, he could not come up with three things why he did not like Iran. And then that endorsement of Carly Fiorina, who I think did amazingly well. Yes. She she was a superstar. I would imagine the money is flowing into her campaign today. And she, it, when the next time they have this, this you know, top ten, she very well could be in that. Yes. Well, she could certainly string a sentence together uh, much better than most of the candidates on either of those stages. Yeah. Policy decisions, policy ideas completely aside. But in terms of she, intelligence, right. you know, in Intelligence, presentation, uh, mastery of, of the ideas and ideology, right. she has it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. We, we have lots of people who already want to weigh in on this. So uh, uh, let's jump to Carl on line one calling from Nashville. Carl, what were your thoughts on last night's debates? Well, I would have to uh, disagree with you, and I think it's the first time I ever disagree with you in my okay, life. Okay, that's fine. We we love all opinions here. <laughs> I totally disagree when you say that you think that Walker and Rubio was the winners of last night's debate, just for the simple fact that both of those guys were falling over themselves to say out loud in front of video cameras that they would allow a woman to die. Mm. Instead of having an abortion. Yeah, I, I totally completely agree with you on policy. Com- they, yeah, I, right. Carl, I completely agree with you on policy. I don't think right. somebody like that could ever uh, win in a general election. No. But they survived another day. They no. didn't lose and, the debate. So they can go on to the next debate. And, and I tell you, uh, it, it, it is an indictment on us as Americans, our pure ignorance, that if we don't know what appropriation bills uh, are, it's an, it's an indictment on us. When, when a Republican get, can get away with saying something that sounds like America uh, or President Obama is giving Iran a billion dollars, right. it is an indictment on us. It, it, it is upon us as, uh, as Americans, as, as, as an educated electorate, uh, to realize that this is money that belonged to Iran that we froze. We're not literally giving them money, but they make it sound like we're giving them money. Yeah, so well, it, Carl, it, it, you're it, it, you're it, talking about stuff that essentially happened what uh, almost 40 years ago. Am I right? So I, I can understand. Right, I can understand why at least some young voters don't. No, know the no, background, no, 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 but here, no, 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 here, no, 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 no. hear me out on this. Give, give, right, give, give young people a pass. Right, but hear me out on this. There's something happened. Carl, you there's know, something happening right. right now, right now, that that yeah. that even the voters of the Republican Party don't seem to understand. Those comments, those those yeah. men that st- stood up there and disparaged, uh, made disparaging comments about abortions, also advocated to give money to Israel. Do you know what is legal and safe and available in Israel? Abortions. Abortion. So it, it, it's absolutely amazing, and it, it's on us to know that we can only we can no longer give each other passes. Another example of what made them look so bad last night: um, one, uh, the irony that it, that the debate took place on the 50th anniversary of, of the voting signing the Voting Rights Act, and no mention of it at all. Uh, two, which is more scarier than anything else that happened: these people were basically claiming their 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 fellowship of Christ which is Christians and there's nothing Christ like about these people as soon as they got finished saying how more Christian they are than the next guy um they proceeded to say how they would 
cut benefits uh, and, and social uh, uh, nets for people who may need those. those uh, basically, uh, the least among us, they were saying, the hell with you guys. Carl, can I ask you one question, 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 question on that one? So, uh, among the 17, though, and I, I totally agree with you about in terms of following Christ and Christ's teachings, what about John Kasich on that point? Don't he doesn't get a pass either. No? If you go back to if you go back and listen to some of the things he said when he was a Fox News host, and then the only reason, the only reason why he accepted the money uh, in the beginning, uh, he accepted the money for for the uh, uh, Medicaid, Medicaid expansion. Expansion is, is because the people forced him, and and on top of that, he tried to do the same things to unions that uh, that Scott Walker did. Uh, in Wisconsin, but the people pushed back a little harder. He he he's okay with doing those things. There's no such thing as as a, as a modern Republican. And this is going to be my last word because I know other people want to call in. And this is most important. I think what's going on with with the media, the mainstream media, and the Beltway media is they don't understand. Uh, the xenophobes and the racists within the Republican Party that props up uh, Donald Trump. And they will continue to prop him up no matter how many times he contradicts himself. They, the xenophobes and racists within that party, will continue to prop him up until people call them out for it. Period. Well, uh, Carl? Uh, you know, strong opinions. There's a lot that I, I, I certainly agree with there, and I, especially problems with the mainstream media. There's so much that they just don't get. And and their coverage of people like Trump and Bernie prove it mm. because right. there is stuff that people reson- that resonates with people that connects with people. And instead of capitalizing on that, if 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 they really want to be, hey, they are capitalists. They are there to make a profit, right. even though we can disagree that news media should be doing that at all. Uh, they are there to make a profit. And if you want to make a profit, connect with your viewers, with your listeners, and what it is that they want. And they are missing the mark on this. People on both sides are all sides of the aisle are frustrated by well, we can't, the same. Again, again, when you say both sides of the aisle, you give you get Donald Trump was polling low. And when he came out and made racist statements and racist comments against Mexicans, he shot up the polls. We cannot ignore this and we can't give this this side do it and that side do it. No, you must Focus in and give it another example. When he made those racist comments, it took the Republican Party about two to three weeks to few candidates to come out and respond. When he said the same type of nasty things about John McCain, immediately within hours, all the candidates, the Republican Party, they yep. dropped bricks on him. And, yeah, and you're I'm absolutely thinking, right. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't you do the same thing to this man when he made racist comments? Because they understand what their base is. There's no vein that he's tapping into America. There's no this side and that side do it. No, this party has, has been teething the racists within their party for the past 50 years, ever since the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. They've been flirting with those people for years, and they finally got real power within the Republican Party, and they don't know what to do with them. They do not know what to do with them. And this is what's going on. We must be honest with ourselves. No pass. All right. Thank you for the call, Carl. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. I got to tell you, we need Carl to to sit there as the debate is going on and let him do it, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I I just worry that that when we paint the entire party with a broad brush, like saying that every Republican is racist, then we're doing the same thing that the uh, the mainstream media. Carl's point is not that the entire 
party is racist. I but know. he's saying the base of the party contains a lot of racists, and the reason that even the moderate, so-called moderate candidates won't come out and, and jump all over Trump for racist statements is because they're worried about ticking off the base. Right. So they're still beholden to that base and therefore can't take a moderate position out loud for fear of losing them. Yeah, I I think it's, it, I don't know. I, I, I guess I think that it's much more about frustration in how things are going right now. And it's really easy to have somebody to blame. And you, when you have a, a mainstream party up there, uh, you know, vindicating brown people, that it's real easy to dislike brown people. And that's why people get labeled as racist. Uh, we need to help them move beyond that. And we need to move beyond simply just... You know, making broad statements like that. It's just my opinion for what it's worth. Anyhow, this is the Leslie Marshall Show. We want to hear your opinion. You've probably heard enough of pundits talking. What did you think of the debate? Where is that going for our future? 888-6-LESLIE. We'll be back with your calls right after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano taking your calls as we sit in for Leslie, getting your thoughts on the debate. You've had a chance all day to listen to pundits give you our thoughts. So let's get yours. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who want to offer their thoughts, which I'm thrilled about. Me too. Uh, Let's check in with Guillermo in New Mexico on line one. Guillermo, what were your thoughts of the uh, last night's Republicans Republican debates? You know, my thoughts were that these guys are so scripted and so bullet-pointed that it's just ridiculous. None of them have original thought. But what bothered me the most is that the general consensus of every single one of them is that this uphill battle that President Obama has had for seven years to do so many good things, the first thing these guys want to do is dismantle all of that. And that would be devastating to everyone in this country. Yes, Excellent. Very excellent point. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. One of the things they constantly criticize uh, President Obama for uh, generally on the right is that the economy has not done even better, despite what he had to deal with upon walking into office. Yet yet that was exactly Chris Christie's line in his defense of why New Jersey isn't doing better. He said, do you see see what I had to deal with? Everybody keeps giving the benefit of the doubt. Nobody is really listening. They, they all have this pre-made statement, this this uh, just so bland and so over but broad. And everybody keeps saying, oh, Carly Fiorina, she was so great. She is terrible, you know. And yeah. then you have, uh, it's just ridiculous that any of those people would be there. However, if I was a Republican and I had to vote for somebody, Unfortunately, I have to say I would vote for Donald Trump as, as difficult as that is for me to say. Wow. And uh, why, if I may ask? And because, not at all. Because, in this the... other, because these other guys are just so, politi- so politicians, so, so, so predictable, so terrible. I mean, they're Christians and the, the, uh, the you know, I did great in New Jersey when you didn't. I great, did great in Wisconsin when I didn't. I, I'm going to defund Planned Parenthood, all this stuff. At least this guy has 
some balls, I guess is what I should say, you know, to, to say what he thinks and see what happens. You know, plus, I don't know. I know that I would ever vote for him. If somebody put a gun to my head and said, vote for one of them, I would have to choose that guy. Well, that is honestly and genuinely surprising. But, Guillermo, I really appreciate your thoughts. I, I really sincerely want to hear what people uh, thought about maybe this. John Kasich, maybe John Kasich. Maybe. Maybe John Kasich. Do you think there's any chance that he would ever get the nomination, given that he's not as extreme right as some of the other candidates on stage? No, the Republicans are for blood right now, for liberal blood, and John Kasich is not going to give him that. Liberal blood as long as it doesn't come from abortions. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. All right. Well, Guillermo, thank you very much for the call. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, let's check in with Mark in Dayton, Ohio, on uh, line four. Mark, what were your thoughts on the debate? Hey, hey um, uh, first of all, I am a uh, Republican. Um, well, thank you for calling, sincerely. Uh, yeah, I've called, I called to Leslie several times. The, um, I was leaning towards Trump. He helped bring up issues that the timidity in the Republican Party was tiptoeing around. But it, my thoughts on the, on the debate last night was, Fox News saw an opportunity where a bunch of new watchers would be participating, Hmm. and they decided to make it a gotcha um, event. Instead of being moderators, Megyn Kelly became an instigator. Hmm. Um, But I'm not defending Trump. He came unprepared. Um, I was basically upset with the way that he answered the questions. And um, personally... um, I've decided that that's not the direction I'm going to go. Um, but those are uh, some of my feelings about um, you should a moderator shouldn't. One third of that debate was Fox News talking. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, not not the people on stage. Now, now, now that that you that Donald Trump has fallen out of favor with you, uh, who who are you thinking or leaning towards now, and why? Well, there's uh, there's a lot of people up there with good ideas. Um, I know with the Kasich campaign here in Ohio, um, locally. I've been doing this since I was 18 with the Reagan campaign a long time ago. But uh, I disagree with the last caller on the fact that Kasich is, uh, couldn't be picked because he's too uh, open-minded, so to speak. Um, in the primaries, you do get a lot of the uh, far-right uh, jingoisms, I guess, uh, just as you do. Perfect word, yeah. All right, go ahead. I said that was a perfect word for it. Uh, and I have to say, I think I know where you're going, and you're giving me hope, Mark. Uh, you're giving me hope in general uh, about our country. I I try and make this argument so often that we have more in common than we do, um, you know, uh, apart. But I guess that's not, you know, that doesn't get ratings. That's not exciting radio. And it sounds like you're you're kind of making that point. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's a lot more people. Like, I mean, I'm gay, and I'm a Republican. I mean, I'm, I'm conservative, but... I'm also um, open-minded. I was raised in the 60s to respect all religions, all colors, way before it was hip. Um, but, you know, it, it's no. fear. It, it's, it's fear. Mark, all excellent points. I sincerely hope that you help take your party back. Uh, right on, man. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Excellent points. We'll be back with more right after this. Stick around. Welcome 
back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Danielle here with Shano, and we are sitting in for Leslie today. Happy Friday. Getting your thoughts on last night Republican last night's Republican debates. Oh, a little exhausted at this point in the evening. I imagine everybody out there in the working world is too. It's been a long week. Lots going on. Lots to talk about. And lots of emails from campaigns lately. Yeah. A, a new one just popped into uh, our inbox, and, and we were chatting about it during the break. Bernie Sanders, speaking of debates, wants Secretary Clinton to uh, agree to additional debates. So popped in our email, if Secretary Clinton wants more debates, then we'll get them. So far, the Democratic Party has uh, only sanctioned, I love that word, it, it's so fitting for what it is, has only <laughs> sanctioned Dictated. six debates <laughs> yeah. uh, that don't start for another two, two months. months. Over two months. Yes. Two months in a week. And even in big, important primary states like Iowa, they're only going to have one debate. Right. One. And, and more more significantly, you we've just had a news cycle, and we're even doing it here, covering just Republicans. Yep. Just the things they said. Now, granted, we like we're covering the Republican and Republican so-called violence. Uh, you know, the the verbal kind, not the <laughs> physical. But you know, but Republican but, Fight Club. But their their messages are getting out and reinforced and replayed over and over, and, and their name recognition is going up. While at the same time, you know, the, the, the candidates on the Democratic side, yes, they're out there working, they're meeting with crowds, they're meeting with voters, but that, that consolidated media spotlight is not on them because it's, it's distributed among, around to the different candidates and the yeah. different campaigns right now. And having a response or even a, 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 a parallel debate to get the Democratic message would be nice now, not two months from now, because we've got two months of them and a lot of GOP coverage. It's not helpful to the party. I'm not talking about any specific candidate. Right. And I have to say that if you are a Hillary supporter, last night you had 17 people on stage. They did an entire segment of that debate just specifically on how to attack Hillary, how to describe Hillary Clinton in, in three words. words. I think it was three words, which yeah. none of none, not a single one of the candidates Man. nailed on. <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly care. Right. Uh, if you, if it was a short sentence, it was fine by me. You got the point across. But hello, Democrats, you just let seventeen people attack your quote unquote you know front runner candidate with no response. Right. Where are you on this? Where is Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Go over to uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, the, the the campaign website, which is BernieSanders.com, if fairness, you want to sign In all fairness, the, Senator, the... Senator Sanders has first, he first appealed to the DNC itself. Yes. He waited to see what the schedule was. After viewing the schedule, I, I don't know, for, you know, but then a day later, out comes this saying, okay, now I'm going to appeal to my fellow candidates. Because if the DNC is not listening, maybe they will. So we can, you know, get together among ourselves and say, if they're not going to sanction them, let's push them to together. Yep. And I think it's a great way to go about it. Not attacking, just saying, hey, join me so we can answer this nonsense that's out there 24-7. Yeah. I mean, last night's debate drew 24 million viewers. And that's just the TV audience. That's a, it, one yeah, of the you, biggest. I heard like 10 to 15. Nope. Uh, New York Times right here. Uh, 24 million Viewers, it was the uh, largest debate viewership ever recorded, uh, the the ninth most viewed cable program ever, according to Nielsen ratings, and the top eight were all college football games broadcast on ESPN. ESPN. So everything except for the Super Bowl, essentially. Wow. Uh, which partly is sad. Twenty fourth, 
24 million in a, a, a country as large as ours, that's not that much interest. However, uh, I know a lot of people were watching. A lot of people have cut the cord. They don't have cable anymore. Sure. So they were watching on online, which is another funny people story. today saying they watched it on YouTube today yeah. or things like that. Yeah. So. If, uh, you know, Fox News didn't uh, say that violated their copyright like they did to their own partner, Sky <laughs> that, News. That was too yeah. funny. Good too job, funny. guys. Good job. Good yeah, look, job. Look it up. Essentially, Fox News copy put a copyright <laughs> on it, and 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 therefore had to uh, one of their their partner companies cut the feed because the copyright notice went through and, and blocked them. Right. If you want to check that out, it's over so at they Fortune. So censored themselves. Yes, it's over at Fortune New Fortune dot com. Uh, we still have some callers on the board who want to weigh in on on the debates, and I do want to get your thoughts. Let's check in uh, with Michael on line three, calling from the Bronx. Michael. What did you think about last night's debates? Hello, Danielle, and hello, Shane. Hello. Uh, what, what I thought about last night's debates, well, I was hoping to look at it in its entirety because we were having our <coughs> single problems here. But based on what I've seen, people would ask, who would you pick as a winner? Quite honestly, I cannot pick either of them as a winner. And the reason being is that not one of them, number one, has said anything in the interest and the well-being of the people, not themselves, not of the party, but of the people, the very same people who for seven years have been implementing all sorts of policies to hurt the people, have implemented and incited violence or racial violence, sexist violence towards the people, and not one of them showed any remorse of what they've done in the past. From the get-go, they have targeted President Obama as an Arab, as a Muslim, as a person kowtowing to terrorists, more and more lies against the guy following the lead, or should I say the command of one Rush Limbaugh saying, I want Obama to fail, and it's your job as loyal Republicans to make sure that he does fail. Block anything and everything that comes from his office. You are not to govern. You are just to stop him. And that's what we've been seeing all along. And the thing is that Fox News, I'm sorry to say, is guilty of the same damn thing. You know, the, the whole thing is that... You know, Democrats want to blame President Obama for not getting this done or that done. You have to open your eyes and pay attention as to who the hell in Congress has been putting put the blocks on all these things since the doggone Republicans. Yeah, Michael, I totally agree with you on that point. I have to say. Michael? Get it. Uh, we may have lost michael Uh, yeah i'm here i'm here i I totally agree with you on that point Uh, you know it's it's so often we hear democrats on our side attacking the president for not getting x y and z done hey i if we want to find things to criticize the president on i can give you a long list but let's be realistic about what we criticize the president on he is not king he is not god he can't snap his fingers and make all the republicans uh, uh stand in line and hey, there may be a small benefit because he's gotten lots of practice of negotiating with hostile forces. That should have done great in the Iran deal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and exactly. And 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 the thing is, like what I was pointing out, here's one clear example. Um, uh, House Speaker John Boehner, when he deliberately blocked a jobs bill initiative that came from President Obama's 
um, desk, and then only like maybe 24 to 48 hours later, he panders to the media and says, Mr. President, where are the jobs? Like yeah. thinking that the people are stupid or something? Using his words, that's a whole bunch of chicken crap. And everyone must remember, follow the history of this party ever since President Obama ran for office. And what's so shocking as well, and why none of these people are winners, is because they partook in the obstructionism, the racism, and that's pretty much why you have to understand Carl's point of view, the earlier caller, the sexism, all in all injustice against civilians, against humanity. And they never, ever followed the lesson of President Obama when he gave his um, speech and his, um, we accepted the nomination, and in his inaugural speech, he said, this election is not about me. It's yeah. about all of you, the people. He always thought of the people. And I'm sorry, the Republicans, not only are they conniving, not only are they deceitful, not only can they, that they cannot be trusted, but they are also so damn selfish. And I yeah. would not hope for nothing. Well, I would certainly say that... Uh... I don't know if selfish is the word, but Michael, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, that first, the, the GOP junior debate, we were talking about this before the break. It is interesting to see what they brag about. Uh, you, we have uh, Bobby Jindal, clip number one, Shane, mm-hmm. uh, bragging about cutting the government. I ran for office to make the generational changes in Louisiana. We've cut 26% of our budget. We have 30,000 fewer state bureaucrats than the day I took office. I don't think anybody has cut that much government anywhere at any time. I won two landslide elections. I made big changes. I think our country is tired of the politicians who simply read the polls and fail to lead. If firing 30,000 people, having 30,000 fewer jobs in his state is leadership, Dang, can you imagine that on a 50-state scale but across notice, the country? But you notice he doesn't call them workers. He no. calls them bureaucrats. Now, these are actual jobs that, you know, it, th- these are not high-up officials, the people you see on television or doing the Sunday morning Like shows. Bobby Jindal? Right. What these people are are people who work in you know offices, who clean offices, who do the tech support for a, a library. Right. You and know. guess what, Jindal? They're not all liberals. They're not all no. raging Democrats that you just They're fired. They're trying to you make an honest living. Gr- They're right. trying to make an honest living. You have George Pataki saying, I cut 15% of jobs. We should do that at the federal level. That's 405,000 jobs. and they But they don't want to call them workers. They, they want to call them bureaucrats. They want to call it government waste. They But... They, you're, you're absolutely right. They are not thinking of workers, but, no. they, but they use their rhetoric to, to kind of get around it. It's the same thing. George Pataki said the same thing. Hiring freeze, cut work for, yeah, cut workforce by fifteen uh, percent. Uh, Clip seven. Office, my first executive order. I revoked every one of the executive orders that he had, he had enacted over the prior twelve years. I would do that to Barack Obama's executive orders, but I'd sign a second one, as I did in New York as well, uh, having a hard hiring freeze on adding new employees except for the military or defense-related positions. I signed that executive order. When I left, the workforce in New York State had been reduced by over 15 percent. 15 percent. That means 15 percent fewer jobs in that state. That's these th- these sound like great talking points. And if you're talking about cutting government as if it's some abstract notion. Yes. Uh, you want to cut government? How about cut our monstrous defense budget? 
You know, how oh, he about, exempted that from his 15 percent right, right there? Of course not. Uh, but not firing real people who need to work. Guess what? You want to complain about welfare? Then give people a job, not take more jobs away. Uh, and yet they call themselves all good Christians. Oh, where do we go wrong? I swear I do want to hear your opinions, but yet I keep seeing to giving you mine. <laughs> This is the Leslie Marshall Show. We still have more calls, and we're going to get to those right after the break. Stick around. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. 888-6-LESLIE. show i'm danielle here with Shano, sitting in for leslie today it is such an honor and a treat to sit in with you guys to work with uh, leslie's amazing producers so much fun such such a pleasure to be here yes there are a few things that we would do you guys are a, such good liars first of all <laughs> but thank you. You on a friday afternoon after doing a full week we said yes Absolutely, without a doubt, we'll yes. do this because we, we knew the debate was going to be here, and we knew that we would listen from hear from uh, Leslie's listeners. Yes, and uh, Leslie's listeners are excellent. Uh, let's go to one more of them. Andrea in Palm Springs, calling on line one. Andrea, what did you think about last night's debate? <laughs> well, um, I, I, I I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. And <laughs> okay. This character would like to always get into the mind of his adversary. Yeah. And I've tried to imagine what it's like to be in the mind of Donald Trump. Oh, that is a scary, scary, dark place. Don't go there. (laughs) Don't go there, my friend. I don't see that he is a part of the Republican Party. or He's part of the Trump Party. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly why he would not agree not to run as an independent. I think he knows he has the Republicans over a barrel, mm-hmm. and he is the master of the art of the deal, and I think he is parlaying his position into maybe doubling his fortune by being bought out by the Copra, getting, uh, getting a bounty or getting a reward yeah. to get out of uh, – out at a, he knows the establishment is all be- – he, he has this all figured out. and. Yeah. And it's interesting. Be his master deal, and he'll write a book about it, and and a crow about all of the the corruption in government for the rest of his life. I mean, this could be a master plan for him. It, 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 I think I think you may be right here because if you listen carefully, and I don't have this part of the clip from that first question, him explaining himself, he actually uses the word leverage. Mm-hmm. I think that was very mm-hmm. telling. That is a word you use in negotiations when you have someone over the barrel, as you said. He's going to use his leverage. The question is, the the, the, the $64 question is, what is he going to use that leverage for? Now, you say it's to, to increase his fortune. I think he thinks he's rich enough, but who knows? I think he may use the leverage to to keep the Republican Party at bay, to not attack him, so that he can still be out in the spotlight and suit his ego. What do you think about well, that theory? Well, but they, are, they aren't. Some are. He is being attacked, but it, yeah. it's, he's he's developing this bulletproof bravado about mm-hmm. it all, and and he's in a way calling their bluff at every turn, and he is ultimately the end game is ultimately all about Trump, yeah. and he wants to get the best of them, and this is another chess game for him. Uh, yeah, I I I 
tend to agree with you. I think that there's often uh, an ulterior motive. I don't think that there's any possibility that these 17 people all think that they could really become president. And, and perhaps Trump is included in that that uh, uh, mindset. I'm not sure. But you can often see what that ulterior motive is, whether it's higher speaking fees mm-hmm. or more you right. know, name recognition. He well, strikes me as someone that it's about that, ego. That maybe when he first got in, he wasn't all that serious because... You know, yeah. he, he didn't realize he'd rise to the top so quickly. Right. And now that now that it has happened, what more ultimate game uh, prize is to have Air Force One at your at your right. uh, that, that, that? In other words, all these other things. He's, some people are saying he's not serious about the job, but I, 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 for someone at his ego level. I, yeah. that's that's pretty hard to read that brass ring is right you know who and also and also there's, there's there's i don't know about this having never been a billionaire myself but there is an affliction <laughs> that an affliction that happens i actually would never even want to be one to be honest but mm-hmm. that that when you have that much money and and you can get anything you want that money can buy at least yeah. on, a, on a moment's notice that nothing thrills you anymore that's why you find a lot of right. billionaires that jump off of billion buildings and and sky mm-hmm. ski and do crazy things just to feel alive to feel a rush this like could Peggy be Lee. his this hey, running for, is that all there is, right, right? Right. So is is he doing this for that rush to feel alive? Yeah. Because nothing else blows him away anymore. I got a plane. I got mansions. I have uh-huh. all this. What what else can I do to feel alive? And I think he feels alive right now. I think he loves it, whether it be yeah. ego or whatever it is. So I don't see him going to anywhere, and I don't understand the leverage part yet. Yeah, it looks like uh, a- Andrew and Mark have that leverage clip. If you'd like to hear it. Oh, cool. Go for it. Do. I can totally make that pledge. If I'm the nominee, I will pledge I will not run as an independent. But uh, and I am discussing it with everybody. But I'm you know talking about a lot of leverage. There it is. Wow, I did not catch that amazing catch, Shano. He's, he's, Actually, Mark got it. <laughs> I, I do think Trunk is our tr- Trunk. <laughs> Trunk <laughs> is already <laughs> is already playing out various scenarios, and he's considering all of these as possible that. He's he he's looking at this in a uh, you know we talk about how Obama can play three dimensional chess. Uh, I think uh, Trump has gotten the best of uh, other adversaries in that way too. Yeah, uh, Andrea, all excellent game. all excellent points. Thank you very and much by the for way, the call. Bulletproof, bulletproof yeah. bravado. I have written down and I'm using that again. Thank you so much for that phrase. From I love, from love Andrea it. in Palm Springs, Gling. Gling. Yes. Uh, Copyright. I wouldn't want to be the Republican Party right now. No. I have to say they're in a precarious uh, position, if you will. And I don't mean the over the barrel position. If they feed into Donald Trump's narrative, they risk him actually being the nominee. And I don't think they know how that uh, uh, will affect their party. I think there's a lot of voters out there who would be okay with that. Uh, If they alienate him. Right. Yeah, I, and I think this brings us all the way, all around the circle back where we started. That Fox News, not as the Republican Party, doesn't know what to do with Donald Trump. Their goal last night, aside from having huge ratings and make lots of money, was to destroy Donald Trump. And I think it backfired on big them. time. From the first question, they were doomed. Now, granted. I don't think they did themselves any favor with women, with immigrants, with no. uh, gays. Maybe, maybe some some on the same sex marriage. But uh, you know, if you're if you're too gay, like transsexual, Ooh. God forbid, you're you're not getting any love in the Republican Party. Right. Uh, uh, I don't think they did themselves any favors there. But 
I, I would not want to be, you know, rinse, prebus, repeat, uh, <laughs> if you would, uh, ha- having to try and deal with this situation. It's a tough call where, where, like, I think despite the infighting in the Democratic Party right now, I do hope and believe that whoever gets the nomination uh, will get the vote of the Democrats. Oh, sure. I don't necessarily see that happening on the right with a Trump candidacy. No, I've said for a very long time, a very long, a few years now, since the, the advent of the Tea Party, that the Republican Party is a coalition party. Yes. Very, you know, Donald Trump is a uh, Donald Trump. I, John Boehner is a coalition speaker of the House where you get just enough Tea Partiers and just enough of the old Republicans to form a coalition to make him the speaker. But they're, they're not the majority party anymore. They are it's, split right down the not down the middle, but down the right. Yeah. And I will say. The uh, fine folks who are kind enough to respond on Twitter and, and give me their opinion. It looks, I, I got about half and half. There it is, 50 Pro 50. Trump against Trump. So he lives to fight another day. We'll have to have this discussion again after the next debate and see where we are then. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Happy Friday. I hope everybody has a week. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.